Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. The title of our episode is Growing Old Together. This is kind of a continuation of the story I told a few weeks ago about meeting my wife and everything that led up to our wedding. And it ended at our wedding. And so now I want to continue that. At the reception, we're at this pretty big clubhouse, and there are a lot of people there, a lot of friends of my parents, a lot of my buds and their girlfriends, and just an eclectic combination of people. And I thought I had it planned out. The only thing I was really in charge of was making sure we had enough to drink there. So in my brain, I got about three kegs of beer and about a case of this stuff called cold duck. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's classified a sparkling wine. I don't even think it exists anymore. It's not champagne. I never did like champagne. And it's not Boone's Farm. It was a step up from that. Well, almost immediately, I guess I had miscalculated the way people were going to drink there because we ended up with two kegs of beer afterwards, but I had to make a cold duck run. So I went out to the car, and Kim's youngest brother and sister were just little kids. I think her sister was 12. Her brother's probably 14. And they were asking their parents if they could leave and go back to the hotel. And my brothers and I were outside trying to find our car. We were going to go down to the liquor store and get more of that cold duck. And so I offered to take them to the motel. Well, these kids had just met me the day before and didn't know me from Adam. I could see the fear in their eyes. I'd freaked them out. Here's this guy that probably had way too much to drink already. They said that he married their sister. In fact, they even witnessed it. And yet there was no way they were going to get in the car with me. Smart kids. That was quite the wedding reception we had. My wife's always been this way. After the party was over, she insisted I help her clean the place up. Well, as a result of that, we were refunded the money that we spent to rent the place. So it was all free gratis. That was nice, although I moaned and complained the whole time we were cleaning it up. The very next day, we had to take her folks to Denver to get back on the airplane so they could fly back home. And as we got close to Stapleton International Airport, all of a sudden there were cars honking their horn, people hanging out of the windows, people in big pickup trucks dancing around in the bed of the truck as they were driving down the road, yelling and screaming and hollering. What had happened is the Denver Broncos that had beat the world champion Oakland Raiders in Oakland, and they're flying in and people are rushing the airport to greet their beloved Broncos. It hadn't happened for so long. The Broncos had been a doormat of a team forever and ever, and all of a sudden this year they had discovered magic in a bottle and had beat those hated Raiders. So the whole city, the whole state, was partying hardy, and they were going to tell the Broncos hi. Well, we were trapped right in the middle of this. So as soon as we let Kim's parents off at the airport, we found the nearest hotel right next door to the airport and honkered down for the night. As a side note here, the Broncos did go on and they played in their very first Super Bowl that year, lost to the Dallas Cowboys. But it started something in motion with that football team that they became a very good football team. 
Their motto that year was, Make One More Miracle Happen. That was fun, but it wasn't fun for us. That was our honeymoon, spending the night in that hotel. We went back to Little Town up in the mountains of North Colorado the next day. Well, we lived in that little town where we had met for a few more months. And then we moved to my hometown. We bought a trailer house up there on the hill, up on the flats towards the airport, and lived there for a couple years. I got a job at a Westernware store called The Trading Post. Jay hired me. I've spoken of Jay many times on this. We had a kid, and then I bought Jay's grandma's house, and we sold the trailer and used the money we made on the trailer to remodel the house. And one night, Kim was pregnant with our second child by then, and she was laying tile in the kitchen. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, she was still laying tile. And she walked over and she woke me up and she said, Come on, sweetheart. We've got to go to the hospital. I'm going to have a baby. I said, Well, let's go later. She said, No, I'm going to have that kid by 6 o'clock this morning. Get dressed. Let's go. We called the hospital and called the doctor. We went there and no doctor. That was the day before cell phones. His wife said that he had left a while back. Next thing you know, we're in the delivery room. I was supposed to be able to deliver the baby, and the nurses are holding the baby back. Everyone's all looking worried. Where's the doctor? My wife says, I'm going to have this baby now. All of a sudden, this other guy burst into the room, tore his coat off, and one sleeve was hanging on his, around his wrist, and he's trying to shake it off. He pushed me out of the way, pushed the nurse out of the way, and caught our darling baby girl as she came into this world. Six pound, three ounce, screaming baby girl, healthy as can be. I was amazed. They cleaned her up. About the time the baby was all cleaned up, here comes our doc saying, man, that was fast. And all my wife could say is, I told you all. Well, about an hour later, they said, you know, You can go home with your baby girl now, but all you have to do before we release you from the hospital here is have a name for this little girl. Well, that was back in the days before they had ultrasounds where they could tell you if it was a boy or a girl, and we just knew she was going to be a boy, and we had a boy's name, and we didn't even have a little girl's name on the radar. So I had to wait until about 9 o'clock when the little gift store opened, I went in there, I bought two baby name books, and we started saying, how about Sally, how about Mary, how about Jill, how about Sherry? Well, we ended up with Allison, and my grandma was thrilled, because her name was Alice. We took our baby home, and we had two little girls 13 months apart. They grew up so fast. I remember recitals and lemonade stands, and first days of kindergarten, and all this stuff. The youngest one, everyone always said she looked like me. She had my family traits, which I had my mother's family traits. Well, one day we're standing in the bank, waiting to do a deposit for our store, and Allie looked at me, and at that time in my life I had a beard. She tugged on my shirt, and I looked down, and she said, Daddy, I'm so glad that you have a beard now so that I don't look like a boy. She thought that when people said that she looked like me, that she looked like a little boy. That still kind of brings a tear to my eye when I think of that. 
What a cute thing to hold dear my heart. Years later, I left the trading post and opened our own department store. And life was good, and our store grew, and we were prosperous. And then going into the third year, we had just doubled the size of the store. And January 1st came, we'd come off a great Christmas season. It's like somebody turned the lights off in the town. Tourism and jobs had dried up because of several circumstances that surrounded Colorado back in the late 1980s. And we struggled for a year, and all it took was one bad year, and we were dead broke. The feds seized our bank. Friends were losing their businesses left and right all up and down Main Street. And among a flood of tears, we said goodbye to friends and family and moved to Kansas City. I was always ashamed of this. My dad had always preached about I had an uncle that the way he made a living was he'd high roll it, then declare bankruptcy, then high roll it again, and seven years later declare bankruptcy again, and then he'd high roll it again. And here's his son, and I'm declaring bankruptcy. It's something that took a very long time to overcome for me. But through thick and through thin, my wife stood by me. Well, when we got to Kansas City, I started mowing lawns, more as therapy than a job. But I made some money and a little business grew, and all of a sudden I needed to either make it into a full-fledged lawn service or do something else. And I chose to do something else. And I went to work selling electronics and appliances and made a pretty good living for years. Raised our children, finally bought a house out past the suburbs. And right before we bought that house, my dad died. There again, my wife stood by my side. As we raised our kids in that town, it was a bedroom community outside of the suburbs, which my children still recognize as their hometown to this day. We lived there for about eight years. It was a good place to raise a kid. It was still small enough that it gave you that hometown feel. It was growing so fast, the property values shot way up. It was during this time that my mother died, and my wife stood by me and never left my side. And then we bought our place out in the country where we live today, and we built our home. And as we were moving, I had this great plan. We had sold our other house, and we knew the date we had to be out. And we were moving like one pickup truck or two pickup trucks a day. And then we had movers scheduled for the last day to move the big stuff. And during this time, my wife's mother died while she was helping us move. And it was very hard. I was trying to move something and I'd run to the hospital and be with my wife as she was there with her mom. And then that night, she went to be with the Lord. And after the pastor met with the family, I announced to everybody, now you need to help us. And I recruited everybody in the family that was there to help us do the final move. We had to be out by morning. The folks that had bought our house would not give us an extension because of the family emergency we had. They said we had to be out. So thank goodness for friends and family. We had a regular convoy, cars and pickup trucks and SUVs full of our worldly belongings. And we were out by morning. Scott and Donna across the fence from us cleaned the house. It was spick and span for those people. 
They take over in the morning. Where would any of us be without friends and family? I don't even want to know. Life in the country has been good for us. We're long ways from anywhere, and our car is always dirty from the dirt road. And sometimes you almost feel a little too isolated. But we had a beautiful wedding out here as our youngest daughter got married. It was a perfect day, and the pond was beautiful, and the weather was great. And we celebrated with those that are so dear to me. And then we started having grandchildren, and my wife loves to take them camping and fishing and out on the paddle boat and making water features for them and having fun games of croquet, doing a campfire and a hayride and all this stuff just for the kids. And I am blessed enough to be able to participate with that. Kim has stood by me through thick and through thin, for better or worse. I don't know if that's what our wedding vows said or not, but if they didn't, they should have. When I lost my job of almost 20 years, she stood right there beside me, never questioned anything, always built me up, always let me know that she loved me and that she constantly prays for me. And now we're pushing our 44th year of marriage and we sit in this house and we always play a game every afternoon, the same game, and we're very competitive and we laugh and we joke and I am told to settle down. And when I win, she always tells me she knew I was going to win because I start breathing and fidgeting hard and have no poker face whatsoever. And we're growing gray together. And our skin has those age spots on our hands and our arms and our legs. And I ask her if I'm still a hunk. And I tell her how beautiful she always has been. She truly is my very best friend. She lets me hang out in my office during the day and do my podcast and all this stuff I do. And she's out there in the barn creating something wonderful and meaningful. And she keeps our house and makes it comfortable and makes it warm and inviting. And she allows me to partake of it and even take a little of the credit. I know how fortunate we are because not everybody gets to grow old together for whatever circumstance the life is thrown at you. Because it's not so much what happens to us in life, but it has everything to do on how we react, and how we handle whatever curveball has been thrown at us. Let kindness dictate your actions in life. I'll be back next week. Peace out.